welcome to 2D Pokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Virginia Tech beat Virginia 34-31 to in overtime. Robbie, I'm pumped. How are you feeling? I'm feeling wonderful. I mean, you can't beat that. I, I was scared about the game. Neither of us felt great about it, but guess what? We came out with the W, and uh, a lot of UVA fans I know are distraught, to say the least. Yeah, they're they're kind of at their wits' end after 15 in a row in some of the most unlikely circumstances possible at the end of that game. Why don't you give us a cheers and get us started off here? I'll keep it simple. I'll stick with the the 15 in a row. I was really worried about this game. I picked it to be a loss for us, and we pulled it out in a way that was pretty unimaginable and. We tried to give that game away a few different times, quite honestly. We'll get into the details of it. So that was a little bit frightening, but who cares? We got the W. It's 15 in a row. And um, a huge hats off to to the team for really stepping up and making that happen, realizing the importance of, of the streak. So I'm I'm super happy about what they did, and I'm, I'm happy for the players and the coaches and, and what they kind of made happen for everybody. Cheers. It really was amazing. Considering what we've been through for the past four weeks in a row with the losses and five out of six and just the way the season has gone and people calling for coaches to be fired, all the angst, and the players really did respond. I I, I did not see that performance coming, not at all. Yeah, and it was, um, it, it was a performance of, a, a tough situations. It was not a dominant performance by in any stretch of the imagination. In, in fact, uh, UVA looked better in a lot of you know passing downs and a lot of things that you saw on the fields. Like I, you got, I got to halftime. I really got through the third quarter, and I was like, UVA is going to win this game. Like it still felt like they were going to win, but Virginia Tech players came out there. The defense really came out there and still played with heart. The offense, Willis. The wide receivers, they found ways to like win a game in, in the most unlikely of circumstances because if you watch that game over and over again, you're probably like, yeah, UVA is going to win this. You know? yeah, and I, I, When I was re-watching it, I was like getting nervous all over again. <laughs> it was crazy. Uh, let's do some news and notes before we go over the game in detail because we're definitely going to do that. Hokie Hoops beat St. Francis over the weekend, 75-37. to We doubled them up. Unfortunately, we followed that up with a loss, which was tonight. We are recording on Tuesday night just after Penn State beat us by one in the Bryce Jordan Center. 63-62, to and I kind of felt like the whole time we were going to go on a run, go on a run, and it, it just never happened. So the win over the weekend was nice over kind of a bad team, but... I really wanted the win in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and we just didn't have it tonight. Yeah, the St. Francis win was even better than that. I mean, they played UNC. They played like really good teams. Nobody kept them thirty-seven points. You know, that's. I mean, that was exceptional. Uh, the Penn State game, I, I didn't feel like they were going to make a run. It just looked we we just were off our game a little bit tonight. Everybody looked a little coming off a big win, where we all feel good about ourselves, and that's kind of what it looked like out there. Penn State played really good defense in the game. You got to give a, a hat tip to them. And um, we had we had a couple of players that didn't really come out and play to, to the best of their ability. You know, and you know, I don't want to I don't want to all be negative because Justin Robinson still had a really great game. I mean, he had a few turnovers. He's prone to turnovers, but you know, he tries to do a lot. So you know, it comes with the territory of yeah, what he has the most assists in the ACC per game. Yeah. There's going to be some turnovers. Yeah. And he, he played a fabulous game. He had the two three pointers in the first half that like got us right back into the game. Um, so it wasn't all negative. The, 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 the way I feel about it is I think that team should have beat Penn state. Um, they, I think they're more talented, but we didn't. So that's the only thing that like, I'm yeah. kind of like bummed about is I think we had the better team but we lost. Okay, well, let's move on. I think it's going to be a theme we might see later in the year, too. When you go on the road and play teams with size, 
we are going to struggle to rebound the basketball. Penn State fought for every loose ball. Like, and the refs, they were a little bit weird tonight. They didn't call fouls. They didn't call them either way. I felt like maybe it would have helped us if they called a few more fouls. And they called about 100 jump balls, which I've yeah. never seen so many jump balls called and not fouls. But it, that it was weird from that perspective. But Penn State played really hard, and we just couldn't ever, like, you know, you try to, try to start the car and turn it over. It just, like, wouldn't turn over. I don't feel super bad about it going forward. It, these road losses to a Power 5 team, like, that's going to happen. Uh, I wish we could have won a winnable game that's that's for sure but they'll happen and we'll be fine we'll get knocked down a few spots from our number 13 in the ap poll and we'll see if we can build it back up we got washington in a couple weeks down in atlantic city and then acc is going to get started you know right around the new year so lot to look forward to still but a disappointing loss to penn state we in a game we could have had yeah it's not as devastating you know, it's hard when you come from football season into basketball season. It's not the same thing, right? Like being 13 is awesome, but it's not the same as being number 13 in the country in football. The margin for error in football is so minute. Like you lose yeah. one game and you're out. Whereas in basketball, you can lose a game. Um, and so this team has everything in front of it. Like it has the ACC, it has a bunch of opponents now that I think they can do well against. Then we get into the ACC slate. And I would be blown away if this team doesn't end up making the tournament and we have the tournament in front of us and, you know, you write your own, you know, kind of storybook in the tournament. So uh, everything is in front of this team and it's, it's exciting and they play well and they get along well. And even during the bad times of this game, which is really exciting, they, they look like they're still like a cohesive team. Like they, they're pulling for each other. When J. Rob got like knocked on the head, like everybody went over to go pick him up. Like, they are as cohesive as you could imagine a unit to be, and that's actually pretty exciting for us. It is, and if Hill hits one of his six shots, we <laughs> might very well have won that game. So it's it's a uh, it's stinks, but you're right. We have so much to play for still, and and I'm looking forward to it. So let's move on to some other stuff. We could be swapping out ECU for Marshall on our future schedules, which is nice. I, the Marshall dates are still a, a little bit of a ways off, so we might still be stuck with ECU for a few years. I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to play out, but Marshall is going to be on our schedule now because of the we us winning the game, and now it's like I think a three for two. So we'll see. And the last thing I had was the All-ACC teams were announced. Ricky Walker and Damon Hazleton both made second team all ACC and Oscar Bradburn, our punter made third team Keen Chung and Ashby were all honorable mention. It's nice that another, a number of players got recognized, especially during a down, down year, whether it was Keen or, um, you know, in Bradburn and obviously he's done fantastically this year. And, uh, Ricky Walker as a senior is uh, amazing. So, uh, Honestly, I, it was more people than I would have expected going in and just it was the narrative for the season. Yeah, and we'll see Keen on there again. We'll see Ashby on there again. Hazleton, as long as he's here, we'll, we'll see him again. Let's get into the game recap because this is going to help us kind of cover everything that happened because a lot of things happened, and I want you to chime in uh, as frequently as you want here because let's try to kind of cover – all the craziness because I can, we don't want to do it after the fact in the reaction because we'll miss something. But it started with a deadlock. It was 0-0 for the first quarter. Our defense was playing well again early, got some pressure, got some tackles for loss. We finally broke the tie towards the end of the second quarter on the pass to Trey Turner. That was an amazing grab, by the way, too. I That I, it was one of the more impressive plays we've seen all season. Yeah, and Trey Turner is really <laughs> – he is uh, really starting to stand out. And it's not on every play, but when he does, it's incredible. A couple drives later, Trey made another huge play with the block punt, and he was in there so fast, it essentially hit him in the stomach. I thought he was going to recover it too, but uh, he, just, he rolled over and couldn't quite grab it. But fortunately, it was all Hokies around the ball, and I think Quillen came up with it. Yep. Scary moment right at the end of the half when Willis threw the interception along the sideline. He chased Harris down amazingly, but I when that happened, I was like, "This is the nightmare. Like this right. is this is how we're gonna finally lose. Is something weird like this is gonna happen right before the half, kill all the momentum." But 
Willis is a lot faster than he looks. That was he, kids got wheels. I couldn't believe how fast he outran like a, like a DB, just like no problem. And and he had a little extra. He tackled him at the waist. It wasn't like he grabbed onto a foot. Like he, that was impressive. I, yeah, I granted, he the just pass was right not. Through him. <laughs> the pass was not. So it's fourteen to nothing at the half. We're feeling good. We can see the upset brewing. But we know how bad we've been in the third quarter. And this last game was no different. UVA turned it on. They scored on their first drive of the second half. 29-yard pass to Reed. We responded with a field goal, to which they responded with another touchdown. That was on the screen pass to Reed that went 75 yards. We had Diablo diving into air. And then we had Caleb Farley not being able to get off his block. And it went, it went all the way down the field. We scored a touchdown on the first play of the fourth quarter on a perfectly executed run to McLeese in which Keen blocked two guys on that play. He blocked his own guy, but he kind of threw that guy into another guy to give McLeese enough room. Is that what you saw? Yeah. I mean, you might look at Keen's numbers and be like, yeah, he had one catch for 45 yards. He had way more than that in the game. He was all over the field, and uh, he did a lot to, to help the, the, the offense. So we've got a 24 to 14 lead at that point. Unfortunately, the D started to give way. UVA scored the next two touchdowns, making it 28 24. And the way their defense started to play, Willis was just backpedaling and backpedaling. Every time he dropped back to pass, he threw two straight passes into the line of scrimmage, the second of which was intercepted by Snowden. But to the D's credit, they forced UVA to kick a field goal. So instead of being down 10, we were only down seven. And that was a third down play by Walker, I think, that got us that, that play, which the senior really came through because it's then just 31 to 24 instead of 34 to 24. At that point, it's desperation time. We, we have incomplete passes, first and second down. It's third and 10. Willis throws it up for grabs to Keene, and he makes the catch of the year. Yeah. 45-yard pass uh, and catch in a 50-50 ball, and it was beautiful. And I think Fuente came out during the press conference today, I think it was, and said that nobody on the sidelines had any doubt whether or not he was going to catch that ball. I mean, I think that's how reliable he is. I was pulling his stats today. The two of them have connected, I think it's on 18 of 21 passes for uh, at this point. And I'll find it eventually, but it's 18 to 21 passes for something like 260 yards, um, 295 yards, 18 for 21 for 295 yards is what has been able to happen with Keen. He is um, exceptional. And that's against Bryce Hall, who has the most pass breakups in the nation. <laughs> and Keen comes down with the ball. And I love that quote from Fuente too, talking about how like, our whole team knew he was going to come down with that ball. It just tells you what he does in practice every day. It's it's awesome. Yep. So it's 31 to 24 still at that point, and, and we're driving. Two plays later, Peoples is streaking towards the end zone, and he fumbles the football. It bounces it like into the end zone. The UVA guy's on top of it. It's he's about to recover it. We're going to lose. Nope. Out of his hands. And I think Grimsley comes up with it in the yeah. end zone for the touchdown to tie the game. So another moment when we should have lost. We go to overtime. It's 31-31. We have the ball for first and have to settle for a field goal, which is always super frightening. And Well, not only do we have to settle for a field goal, Willis was 20 yards beyond, behind oh, yeah. the yard line of scrimmage, got wrapped up, and scooted out of it and then managed to throw it out of bounds. And um, Johnson said himself uh, today during the press conference, he was like, like I knew he wasn't going to go down because he just has that kind of heart. Like he's not going to go down in that kind of situation. But he was like, I was pretty nervous. Like situation. He somehow got the ball out, was able to maintain the field position to kick the field goal. Yeah. And then that field goal wasn't even a given. I mean, it's a 40-some yard field goal. We've been swapping kickers in and out. We haven't made a kick over 40 yards since, since the Notre Dame game. Yeah. And he makes it. You know, I mean, it's a it's a freaking miracle. Yeah. So we're up by three. UVA has the ball. First play for UVA, 10 yards, 11 yards, first down. It's like, oh, shit. It's happening. Like they're definitely going to score, and this is going to be it. Next play. Fumble on the exchange, ball hits the turf, 
Belmar drops right on it. Team sees it instantly, starts sprinting into the middle of the field. It was mayhem. They was won. Cool. I what a game. What a freaking game because we had fans leaving the stadium. Like yeah, after the interception out. of Snowden, we had fans walking out of the stadium because we couldn't do anything for most of that second half. And every time Willis dropped back to pass, like he just loses more yardage or has to throw an incompletion. But somehow, some way, he got it done and the team got it done. They they won a game and that's all that mattered. It was one game, one time. You just kind of go through it. And a um, couple thoughts there. One, I'm not a big fan of how the like the TV commentators want to like pan in on people leaving the game just for the sake of it. Like that's like they're so bored that that's what they want to pan in on. Everybody wants like wants to get mad at the fans, but I, I don't really think that's all that cool. The, the, the commentators sec- were annoying the whole time. Yeah, like I, I thought I liked Adam Amin. I know. I, I don't know. Like that, him and Rod Gilmore in that game, yeah. I found them extremely aggravating. But maybe that's because it was so stressful. I don't know. Yeah, I think it was probably it was probably a little bit of both. Um, and and two is, I mean that was just that was just a tough game to 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 watch to digest and understand what was happening and the emotions were all over the place because yeah. If anybody goes through that game through three quarters and thinks that Virginia Tech's going to win, you're crazy. Because <laughs> like I went through three quarters and I said there's no chance Virginia Tech is going to win this game. But they, the players and the coaches, they came in and they fought hard and they won it. And it was honestly, um, it was honestly really impressive to watch them and and the resolve that they showed in the game and um, the excitement they showed for winning and. When they started running down the the you know down the down the center of the field after um, you know the the missed handoff that was that was pretty that was pretty special at the end of the game especially in overtime which that what they said that that's pretty much never happened in the UVA Virginia Tech games is is having going to overtime so I like hundred meetings yeah I, obviously overtime has been only in the works for a little while but still the first overtime game. We were able to come out with it. And you're right. After the third quarter, when you see UVA score a touchdown on four straight drives, <laughs> it's not looking too good. But the defense found something back there on that. I mean, what is that? At the 10-yard line or something that they yeah. had the ball at? Yeah. And we forced them into that field goal? I mean, that's that's amazing. That's pit on our five, you know, and well, us doing that, that goal line the game. That, like, yeah. Most people will look at all the other things, but that that stand on the 10 yard, like when they were that close, that was the game changer. Everybody's going to look at all the other things like, and, and it's not take anything away from the long pass to Dalton Keene or the one handed catch from, you know, Turner or anything like that. But really when you come back to all of it, that stand at the 10 yard line that had to hold huge. them was really what changed the entire game and not to say that those other things didn't but that was the thing that like allowed everything to kind of come into place 15 in a row i didn't think we'd get there but you know with wisconsin losing to minnesota i think that was the first time in a long time 17 years or something and then you had uh, florida losing earlier in the season to kentucky to break that super long streak i'm pretty sure ours is the longest streak over an every year opponent, consecutive year opponent. I think we have the longest streak. Uh, it's pretty cool. Feels good. Feels really, really good right now, uh, especially with the season we've had. I, I couldn't be happier for the seniors. That's for sure because they've been through a lot. They've been through multiple coaches, bad years, good years, and another kind of struggling year here. And guys like Ricky and they they pulled it off, man. Yeah. And as we transition here, I think there's a couple things that happened in this game that are probably worth just noting because we're about to transition to our next game. Um, Ryan Willis is a, a hot topic right now, and it's tough. He had the lowest completion percentage of the of the year for him, the lowest, the second lowest of the last three years, which um, Gerard Evans had it against UNC, actually, and, and two years ago. It was in a hurricane. Yeah, it was in a hurricane. It, well, yes, that's where I'm getting, that's what I'm getting at. So 42%, Gerard Evans was 41% against UNC uh, three years ago. It's, I, I, I don't, 
I don't know where to fall out on this. And I think you and I are keep, keep flipping back and forth. You know, I think we realize that he's not everything that we would like, you know, hope for, but we think he has a lot of heart and plays like really well. He definitely extended a lot of those plays. If you watch the game with his feet, he takes it head on, just goes at it. Like, and sometimes it may look like a bailout. Sometimes it's, you know, that bailout actually works out and it extends a, a first, <laughs> a first down when we don't have anybody open downfield. I, it's, it's tough. All I can say is like, you know, hat off to him for like trying like to really like just like kind of like take it on his shoulder sometimes and like really he wants to win so you may like him you may not you may think he's good you may not the only thing that i've kind of come back to after sleeping on it for a little bit is the guy wants virginia tech to win like really really badly and he showed it during the year he's our best option yeah that's healthy right now so He's gonna play, and sometimes it's not gonna be very good. Like, like last week, like the UVA game. So you you take the good with the bad, and whether he's better or worse than Josh Jackson, and that'll be a debate for the off season. That doesn't matter because it doesn't matter at this moment. He got us the win, and it wasn't pretty, and he's got issues, and we can discuss that going forward. But he's gonna start Marshall. He's gonna start the bowl game if we get there. Uh, and then the offseason will be a debate. But I agree. Like, him being clearly better than Josh Jackson, like, that is not the case. It is absolutely up for debate, and people love debating it. <laughs> that, that's for sure. And I think that we're kind of in the camp where, like, yeah, in some ways he's better, in some ways he's worse, and it's probably about a wash. But you know what? They both got us wins over UVA the last two years, so, right so I'm now, happy about right it. Right now, all we're looking for is Ws, so, I right. mean, we're not looking for anybody to be a world beater, and he's playing hard, so at least you can give him that respect. And, like, like the guy's literally, you know, playing hard and trying to play well for the team. So I, I think it would be uh, unfortunate if we didn't at least call that out. Like, he's not, like, sending it in, like, you know, yeah. playing, like, a backup quarterback situation. He's... He literally wants to get W's and he did against UVA. So, you know, we'll figure out what happens next year. Let's just call it what it is for this year. A few more notes on the game before we move on to Marshall. And the star of the game, I think, was Trey Turner. I You could say just Keen's catch alone could, could make him the star of the game potentially. But four receptions, 69 yards, a touchdown catch, a 43-yard rush, and a block kick, which led to a touchdown. I, I'm pretty sure... Big play Trey, as I, I do love that nickname, uh, It was the star of the game. And he's the star of our team on offense. Hazleton is probably right there with him. But, I mean, he's a bona fide star in the making. Well, he was number that, one on SportsCenter. Yeah. So his catch <laughs> was number one. So, And you and I talked about this. I think it was the first time we started talking about Trey was probably four weeks ago and I'm trying to remember what game it was, but when he really started to like come out of his shell and, and just show like the potential that he had, he's exceptional. And if we could keep, I don't think we, I don't know if we will, but if we keep Hazleton and him around, that is a dual threat for the ages. I mean, you know, just size with Hazleton in terms of like what he can do from a matchup Trey is a lot more handsy, has a lot more versatility in his play. It's it's kind of the Cam versus Ford, and I know, you know, not those aren't necessarily the best concepts, but it's pretty. <laughs> They're complementary. <laughs> I'll take the words out of your mouth. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, I I agree with you. You got the speed on one side, you got the big body on the other side. It's it would be a great combo next year for whoever's playing quarterback. And the last five games. For Trey Turner, 331 total yards on 19 touches and four touchdowns on those 19 touches. So he's scoring a touchdown on every fifth offensive touch. So let, let's get him like five to 10 touches in this Marshall game. How about that? We'll get a couple touchdowns there. Well, and there's been a few passes downfield. There was uh, at least one during the last UVA game that Turner was in the end zone, if you remember that just went over his head by kind of like a yard. So on top of what he's had, there's been a few close calls where he could have even more yards than that on long bomb passes down the field. And when him and whoever the quarterback ends up being, 
start to connect, that could be dangerous, even more dangerous than it already is. I would say ultimately the key, and it took us a while to get here, was the fact that we did run the ball better in this game. And we said it needed to be like a people's game. Well, he got 19 carries, 96 yards, a 5.1 yard per carry average. If he doesn't fumble that football, which I'm kind of disappointed in him for that fumble, but he probably carries it right into the end zone or gets really, really close. McLeese looked really good, you know, coming off with the few games that he missed, looked sharp, made some great cuts, kind of popped out of nowhere on the one play. You thought he was tackled, and all of a sudden he's eight yards down the field. That's absolutely what we needed to do against this defense. They didn't have a good D-line. They did exactly what we needed to do, kept them honest, ran the football. Willis added on some rushing yards as well, and a huge rushing play towards the end to get us close to the end zone. So a good effort by the team. The, the game plan was right. Uh, there, there was definitely situational football stuff, like the punt from the 35-yard line and the long field goal kick with the other kicker early on. Uh, you know, some, some stuff, you know, makes you a little uneasy, but ultimately uh, I, I think the good. offensive line was a little bit questionable. And I'll go back to this again, that it in the second half, it collapsed really, really hard. And they didn't play that, well. That could have been, I don't claim to ever know whether it is the quarterback and not calling like you, you and I were going back and forth, whether it's the quarterback, not calling the right, like kind of audible at the line and like changing up the plan, like, or if it's the actual offensive line, but that was collapsing, like, holy shit, like a volcano just like coming down. Like it, it, he was scrambling. He scrambled on, I can go back and I can look up the stats because that's what I do. And I think he scrambled on probably 90% of the plays that happened in the second half. If I had to go like go back and look at it because the and they were bringing half, pressure with their linebackers yeah, and but the offensive we, they line were covering was not our guys one on one. Yeah. The offensive yeah. line was not holding it back whatsoever. It was collapsing on him. Um, so I'm not, I'm, I think the, the run game would have been even more efficient on top of that. If, if we had figured out what was going on there or at least had designed around it because and, and and that's also to say that it could be on the offensive line. It could have been on like the mesh point between the running back and the quarterback. It could just be on the Will quarterback. Will not coming off his read. Like we don't really could know. be any of one of those things. Something was broken though. That mm-hmm. absolutely because him scrambling on every pass out to the right, which was like I think I counted it like eighty percent of his passes in the second half were like scrambling out of the right. Um, then that's a problem that we just got to kind of figure out and what, I don't know what, I don't know who that falls on, but something was broken there and hopefully smarter people. I mean, something's broken with our third quarter offense. We're, it just keeps happening every week. And I, we did score on the first play of the fourth quarter. So you could, I guess, give credit to that in the third quarter. And then we would have had 10 points in that quarter. So that's a little bit better. But still, like right after the half, you know, the defense goes away, the offense goes away, and like we're just holding on for dear life. But we held on. So, and I I would say the defense, for the most part, held up okay. They surrendered 423 yards, but against the rush, they were far better than they've been, even though it's still Perkins. I mean, Perkins was their whole offense. You know, he had 259 passing, 112 rushing, three touchdowns in the air, only 50% completion, but. With without him, they would have been able to do nothing. I feel like that he he was literally everything they had, and guys like Dax and Ashby and Ladler and Ricky Walker all played their absolute best. I really thought they gave it their all, and the the, the D is still coming together. Obviously, it, it, it struggled mightily this year, but that's about as good a performance. Zero points in the first half. I, I'll take it every time. Yeah, and it's starting to come together. I mean, Dax is exceptional i mean he's blown people's hair back i we all were had a lot of anticipation about him he looks great ashby i don't know if we anticipate anticipated him being as good as he is that's really exciting i i I mean this linebacking core is honestly if you're not excited about it then i don't know what you can be excited about because they are they're they are super young and they are just playing at such a mature level it's really really exciting yeah. I would say that like if we had Hill or Gaines or both in this game, it would have been 
way different because there was points where we just could not get our ends Mm -hmm. to get pressure on Perkins. Like Perkins was just standing back there and standing back there and that allowed him to rush. Like just a few more plays from Garbit or Belmar. And I know Belmar's playing hurt and Garbit's a redshirt freshman. Like there's, this is a game where like you're watching the game. You're like, Oh my God, if we had Trevon Hill, he would be like seeking and destroying in this game. I literally have in my notes, like there are times Perkins are just, is just sitting there, but I, I don't want to take anything away from the linebacking core like uh, on that fact yeah, because I know. and and it's it really just comes down to we're just we're so thin but I don't think of this game I don't I didn't, I saw no lack of effort let's put it that way there was no lack of effort for what the defense was putting out there they they busted their ass in this game and um yeah did he have a lot of time in the pocket he had a ton of time in the pocket but we're, we're a young team and Ricky can't do everything and Dax can't always just, you know, rush the pocket. And we, you know, sometimes that's going to happen when you got this uh, maturity level in the program. So you throw in an adequate performance from the defense and a stick to performance from the offense and a bunch of luck. And that's how you get this upset because we did get lucky. The fumble review early in the game, which the announcers were like, there's no way this is going to be upheld. It was. The targeting review, which they're like, Ricky Walker's definitely going to get kicked out of the game. He wasn't. I said he was going to get kicked out of the game too. Uh, we, I mean, that's where the targeting thing falls out. You know, like Ladler tapping someone on the helmet with the crown and he's kicked out of the game against Georgia Tech. But Ricky literally tackles the guy with his head and he stays in the game. And th- the NCAA needs to figure it out because that was not a safe play by Ricky Walker. No, it wasn't with the crown, and that's all they look for apparently because that was the most unsafe play I might have seen from our defense all year. And I'm so thankful he didn't get thrown out because we needed him. Willis saves the TD, falling on the people's fumble, three UVA the fumbles. The fumble was ridiculous. <laughs> the fumble in overtime, UVA put it on the ground five times total. We just happened to recover three of them. Uh, it, it, you needed a lot of luck. We said we we're going to need a lot of luck. We got it. And we won by three in overtime. That's as close. That's as close as you can get. Unless it's what? 74, 72 and in, in seven overtimes. That's as, that's, that's probably as close as it can get. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're Texas A&M and it, it was, yeah. And they just, their defense played so much better. The eight passes defended. Like every stat I went through, I was like, okay, if you just look at the stats and not, I'm not talking about yardage because everybody goes away from yardage because it's a stupid stat. But if you go through every other stat, passes defended, fumbles, like all that, you're like, how the hell did Virginia Tech? And then really it just comes out to turnovers. I think that was kind of the only chance that if you were to look at it objectively, that we stayed in the game. That was a. Well, if they didn't turn the ball over in overtime, they'd probably score a touchdown and win. Yep. It would not have gone well unless they turned it over and they turned it over. So Hats Phew, off hats I, off to the defense. I I'm uh I'm I'm surprised, but at the same time when I woke up on Friday morning, there was a little sense of like we're still that team that beat you fourteen times. You're gonna have to show us that you're not. Yeah. And they couldn't do it. And I loved it. (laughs) All right, let's take a beer break before we move on to Marshall. Robbie, what are you drinking? This was a one of our gift beers from Pete, and it was a Peter Laclede sent us these beers, not me. Yes, yeah, the other Pete. Um, that's now going to be known as the other Pete. So there's going to be Pete and the other Pete. It's the Coriando Brewing Company. Uh, it's a agave. Icelander Tropical IPA, and it's very good. It's a little late in the season, I will say, because it's freezing effing cold outside, but uh, it's actually a delicious tropical IPA and right up my alley. So I actually like this um, a lot. It's tropical fruit, you know, kind of mixed with with a good IPA blend, and I... I kind of like it. I, I want to get more of these during the summer. Right now, it's yeah. cold as hell outside, but it's very good. Yeah, Pete sent them to us from like Hawaii and Las Vegas <laughs> and all like warm weather places. What, that was the Coronado? Is yeah. Is that what that was? 
Yeah, the Coronado Brewing Company and the the Gave uh, Icelander. So it's delicious. Nice. I I love it. It's a it's good beer. I wouldn't put it at the top of my list, but I'd put it like like right in like the top kind of you know quartile below the third quartile. Yeah, How about you? It's a it's a Q two win. Yes, <laughs> I'm drinking the Aslan Laser Raptors Double IPA, and the can is this how it sounds. It's got that like laser background. You get your picture taken in front of in grade school and then a picture of a velociraptor on the can but it's pretty good it's not a new england ipa it's just you kind of your standard double a little bit darker almost like looks like a brown ale in the glass but very tasty it's it's just as solid as they come nothing spectacular about it nothing bad about it it's just it's just a good drinking double ipa the laser raptors from aslan i've had that it's delicious so Marshall, Saturday, December 1st at noon in Lane Stadium. This was the replacement for our ECU game. And unfortunately, the records are reversed because ECU is 3-8 and eight and Marshall is 8-3. and three. So we definitely pulled the short straw and NC State is profiting off not playing West Virginia. So they're getting really lucky because their replacement game is ECU instead of WVU. And we get Marshall instead of ECU. So... We'll take the West Virginia team over here, playing Marshall at home. 6-2 in their conference, and they're coached by Doc Holliday, which has been for a number of years now. I want to give the lay of the land before we dive into what Marshall is, just so people kind of know what we're working with. They're 37th in the S&P Plus, which, yeah, top 40 Marshall team. It's a little surprising, but by every other ranking, it's not quite as high. The Collie Matrix, <coughs> the Matrix has them at 47. The Massey Composite has them at 59th, and Sagarin has them at 78, where Virginia Tech and Sagarin is 70. So Sagarin actually thinks we're better than, than Marshall, even though you know we're five and six and they're eight and three. So if you were to average all of them out, we're still going to come in in the high 70s or 80s because we're 81 in S&P, 83 in the Matrix, 82 in the Composite. Like we're we're in the 80s for the most part, and they're mostly top 60s, top 50. So I don't know what you're thinking about this game, but it's not going to be easy. And in the S&P, they're ahead of like Pitt. They're ahead of Georgia Tech. They're ahead of BC. They're number seven in the country in S&P defense. They have one of the best defenses in the country by far. they They have the best rush defense in the country. But outside of like Clemson and Alabama and like, you know, some of the teams that you're thinking about, they're number seven. They let up 90 yards a game in rushing offense. That's what they like. And granted, they're not playing anybody mind beating, but they played NC State. I mean, they played, yeah, they've played decent teams. Um, well, let me give you their best wins. Their best win is FIU, mm-hmm. who's an eight and four team, solid win. Then it's six and six Miami of Ohio, five and seven FAU, and five and seven Charlotte. So they don't have. <laughs> A resume building win, really. Yeah. Their losses are to eight and three NC State, as we mentioned, eight and four Middle Tennessee State, and six and five Southern Miss, which I think was another option we were rumored to play was Southern yeah. Miss. Those are they those are bad losses though. Like Middle Ten- not- Middle Tennessee is like a pretty good team. NC State we know, and it's so Southern Miss is the only bad loss that's on their resume. Well, they played one Power Five team and they lost by seventeen at home. So I I know that kind of frames it in a certain way, but I'm just saying they played one power five team. They lost by three scores at home. I'm not saying we're going to lose this game. I'm just saying that like they, they, you can't give them their their number seven in the S and P on defense period. And then when you look at what they're, they like when Bill Connolly does his like S and P rankings. And so they come in at 37, like whatever. But then he does his S and P strength of schedule rankings, which is like, what does it matter against who you play against? And then it starts to even out a little bit. So they're 65th in the strength of schedule S and P rankings, and we are 81st or 88th. So they're still ahead of us. Like even when you take into account yeah. the strength of schedule and side of things, so you know, just a level set. This is. I was this just is not a, a bad time. time. This is not a bad team. I don't think that we yeah. can like characterize. Not a bad team by any means. You don't win eight games and, and be a bad team for the most part. 
Uh, I just was having a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that their statistical profile on the S&P Plus was so good. And I'm looking at the schedule and the scores even, and I'm just like, I don't really get it. It's not like they blew every team out by 50. Like some of these games are close. So it's just, it's probably somewhere in the middle, like as it always normally is. It's like seventh and S&P defense. uh, Okay. But your yards per play is what? Okay. They're 10th, 22nd in scoring D um, 60th in yards per game against the pass. Like, so there's somewhere, some middle ground here somewhere, but they're good. Mm -hmm. And, I would have much rather played ECU just because they're not as good. And we, you know, they're our, kind of our rival. We, we play them a lot and they've beaten us in recent years. So it stinks that we have to go up against a tough team to win, but it's still a Conference USA team. And we're supposed to have 12 games on the schedule. Go out and win. No, right? no, it's I mean, time to win. And I, I, my only point is like, don't take this. Just like you and I have been saying, in fact, I'm agreeing with what we've been saying the whole time. Is like, don't take this as like a cakewalk. This is a game. No. It's important, and go out there and you know, you know, you know, play play your hearts out because, um, yeah. Well, let, let's just start with their offense. So, uh, I mean, their quarterback Isaiah Green is nothing to write home about. He can't really move around with his feet. He's got 14 TDs, nine interceptions, 56% completion percentage. That That is honestly where I feel the best about this whole situation, given what our secondary has been able to do or not do, however you want to characterize that. Um, rushing the ball, they've been plagued with injuries. So they had Tyler King. He had 108 carries for 655, four touchdowns. He gets injured. Then... Uh, Keon Davis goes down after trying to replace him. He went out. Um, and King might actually be, he was questionable for the FIU game. He might be questionable for us. I couldn't find anything on that. But you're really down to Anthony Anderson uh, and Brendan Knox. And Anthony Anderson has eight TDs. Um, he's been pretty productive. And, and that's kind of your rush game. And then you have two really good wide receivers in Ty Brady and... Uh, Obialo, and that's kind of what you get from from them is those four players. Assuming that Tyler King doesn't come back, you got Anderson, uh, Knox, Brady, and Obialo, and whether they play well or play not is pretty much going to define what they could do and what our defense does against them. I think we'll be fine against their run. I'm a little bit more concerned of whether Brady and Abilo get well, open. I'm worried about Anderson just because he's 6'2", 240, like the A.J. Dillon-type mold. And we've had problems against bigger backs and not being able to tackle them. We've had tackling issues all year. So Anderson getting into the end zone, that that scares me a little bit. Tyler King coming back from the injury, we'll see, because he was – questionable last game he's missed four games in a row uh, he could come back next week and he's pretty dynamic he's at, he was averaging just about 100 yards a game before he got hurt so whether it's Knox Anderson King carrying the ball it's a good rushing tack but nothing too great Brady the the wideout is like Zacchaeus in me in my opinion like he's dangerous and Green not very good like you said he's not mobile he kind of had like a knee injury earlier in the year and it's been I think dogging him because he hasn't hasn't barely rushed at all and he is supposed to be a dual threat. Uh I worry about the big play potential from Brady and the running backs. Just when when we do what we did against Pitt, I can't rule out any bigger back from just blowing through us and going down the field. So there will be some big plays, but as long as they don't pull the pit on us, we'll give Green a hard time. I think we'll hold them to like 20 to 24 points i i think that's i think that's reasonable against this team because it's what 110th in s&p plus offense that's terrible 89th in yards per play and then 74th in scoring yeah. so it's a, again a little bit all over the map the truth is in the middle hold them to 20 points i, I think it, i think we should be able to hold them to 20 points i think that's reasonable defense here we go it's a, it's a little scarier on this side of the ball. The D-line is the strength of the D. They can rotate six guys. They have six guys that are juniors or seniors on the defensive line. Ty Tyler, which is a very creative name by his parents, has seven sacks and 21 QB hurries. 
do you get a hurry when you make a sack? Does that? Yeah, I think it counts like a, in it. I think it's the same with a sack and a force fall or a um tackle t- for a loss. A, yeah. Okay. But either way, he's got 21 QB hurries. That is the most I've seen from any team in like all the previews we've done the last few years. That's a ridiculous amount. Chase Hancock was going to be who I was going to talk about. They but really wasn't. He has two forced fumbles. Uh, Malik Gant is a stud safety, one of the best probably in the conference. He has 80 tackles, 15 run stuffs, eight pass breakups, and two interceptions. Ty Tyler, as you said, has seven sacks and a forced fumble. There's another seven players that have at least one forced fumble on top of that, and I know three of those have two forced fumbles. So you're talking about we have we, we have seven total they have like 15 force fumbles like on the year as a team they're what is it ninth in front seven havoc and ninth in overall havoc it's disturbing sixth in sacks per game fifth in yards per carry allowed seventh in passes defended per game so whether it's against the rush whether it's against the pass it's pretty even like they're pretty good against both the the secondary strong, lots of pass breakups. Jackson fourteen from him. That's that's close to Bryce Hall. What Bryce Hall had. I don't know, man. There, there's not a lot of weakness here on this defense. And and you had said it was up there in the top ten in the S and P plus. And I'm looking at the you know more basic stats, and it, and it, it equals out. It's it it's like yeah, this is going to be a problem. This is a really good defense with not a true weakness. It, to me, it just means we need to stay balanced and we need to, that pass rush is real. The sixth in sacks per game. You can't have what happened last time where, you know, Willis is just going backwards and having to throw it out of bounds every other play. We need to keep them honest with the run. The offensive line really, really has to step up this game. Like we, if, if, if our offensive line, plays the way that they just played against UVA. This is a, actually a better defense than what UVA just put down on the field. We are in deep shit. Um, Absolutely a better front seven. It, it's a very stout line. And UVA, that's where they struggled, was on the line. We saw how that defensive makeup against Boston College, how we fared. Like it causes a problem as the game goes on when we play a really tough D line. So, like you said, the offensive line has to play their best game if we're going to get to a bowl, because we we can't take sack after sack in this game. Because I think they're going to be able to score some points. It might not be an amazing amount, but like we need to get twenty five points, twenty four points, something like that. We need to turn them over too. Like the quarterback. Uh, Green, he's thrown an interception in almost every game that he's played. We need a pick. We need a special teams play. Just like UVA, like we are not good enough to win a game straight up. Like we need some extracurricular things to go our way. So let's root for for some turnovers. Let's get that offensive line in the run game going again, especially early. Keep them honest. And I think we can win a squeaker. Like I, I think this is going to be a close game and I, I very much hope we come out on top because I want to extend the bowl streak. I, I don't find that as important as beating UVA. And I don't think many people do. I think we all really want it to be UVA. And I hope that that doesn't seep into the player's head. Like we accomplished what we needed to accomplish. Like it's a bad season, but we beat UVA. We're good. Like, I think that since it is a good opponent, like I'm actually glad it's kind of, it's not like, rice who just beat odu we were joking about i'm glad it's not like a piss poor team on paper because this is a real test the players will know it and they'll actually take it really seriously despite coming down from a big win yeah i can i listen i i've been suspect to this game for as as long as we can um but they, they came out and the players did what they needed to do. They beat UVA and now is their chance to, you know, beat Marshall. And I absolutely think the talent on our team is there. If we lose this game, it's only just because of like we got in our own heads. Like you just kind of like and, and that's not to take anything away from Marshall. Their defense is amazing. They have a really, really good defense. 
friends. And I, you know, we didn't have many people to schedule this game against, so we didn't really get a choice. So you kind of get stuck with what you get stuck with. Um, this is a really good defense. So if anything, nobody else is going to recognize it other than the people that are really like getting into the weeds, looking at it, that if they win this game, that's a really good win against a really like tough defense. But we'll know it. The players will know it. You know, the coaches will know it. And I think that'll be a boon. The fans will know it. It'll be a boon for the team if they can go in there and and really kind of rough up this defense because it's it's very, very good. Um, and uh, I think it could be uh, a big confidence boost for this team. I think it's amazing how much McLeese seemed to help the offense last week. I, I know people's got a lot of carries and played a big role, but – we saw like the McLeese we saw against Florida state last week, you know, like that burst and just really making some important plays. I want to see some more of that. I want to see Wheatley. I want to see Trey Turner in that jet sweep game too, because his speed makes that even more lethal than it was like more lethal than when it's Grimsley or Wheatley. It's, it's, it's really fun to watch Trey Turner carry that football in any way. Let's do our picks and, uh, you know, give our final thoughts at the end. So we got Marshall coming in the lane, and Virginia Tech is five-point favorites as of today. I'm going to take Marshall against those five points. I think it's going to be close. I I said it's going to be a squeaker, and I believe that. I want VT to win by as little as one point. I don't care how we get there, and I think that we're going to be sweating it out again this week. Yeah, I'm going to take VT by six. Oh, so the confidence is back after one game. I didn't say that. I just think that it's <laughs> going to go that direction. Listen, I don't think it's – the confidence is not necessarily back. I just – I think that they're – I think they're st- – everybody's still down on them. So, like, there's gonna there's still that, like, fire in the belly that happened. The only reason we beat UVA is that fire in the belly that, like, was there. Like, oh, nobody thought we could win this game. Like, we're going to win this game. Like – you can't look at that UVA Virginia Tech game and say, "Hey, objectively, Virginia Tech should have won." We won out of the drive from the players, and they're still not really getting that. And I totally understand it. So, yeah, I'm sticking with it. I'm going with Virginia Tech. They'll win by six points, and I'll bet on it. How's that? I love it. Next game: Utah at Washington for the Pac-12 title. Utah is number 17, Washington number 11 in the latest college football playoff rankings. Washington, five-and-a-half-point favorites. Washington, I'm going to go with... Uh, Washington's five-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to go with Utah. So uh, coming off of Washington, just beat Washington State, which I did not see that coming. I, I actually thought Washington State was going to take care of business there, but they didn't. So I'm going to go with Utah. Washington State is going to kind of, you know, coming off of a tough... Uh, well a very good win and then they're going to have kind of a, a down game. I think Utah is a really tough physical team. I'm going to take Utah against the five and a half as well. Next game, Memphis at UCF, or I should say against UCF for the American championship. And I think it actually is at UCF. I think they play on the home turf of the, uh, of the better team in this conference, but UCF is three point favorites and they are number eight in the latest rankings. What do you got there? I'm going to take UCF. Yeah. You're going UCF? Yeah. <laughs> Every time I try and pick against UCF, it doesn't work out. And even though they lost their starting QB, I, I still think I have to take them. Three is is low. Did this team – did these teams play early in the year? Uh, they Was already, this the one-point game? Yeah, they already played once. Yeah, I'm pretty I'm sure they've tra- already yeah, played I'm trying once. to remember. But in any case, I'm taking UCF against the three. I'll look it up while we go to the next pick. Uh, Well, I'm not done yet. I'm – I'm t- it's here's where I'm going with UCF. The quarterback just got destroyed. I mean, he just ripped open this entire leg, and it's just it's it was really unfortunate. They they weren't even like like there was no announcements about what happened. They just came out today. I think the hospital announced that like his nerves are they can reattach the nerves like in his leg. He's gonna have feeling and you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think. Um, I think the emotion is going to carry the day in this, not necessarily just that UCF has been as good. I think they're going to kind of, you know, rally behind what happened to the quarterback. And it was, you know, it's football, right? It's nobody's fault. 
But I think that's what's going to end up carrying the day in here in this situation is the players were really upset and like really heartbroken about what happened to the quarterback. And they still stomped South Florida even after he went out of the game. Yeah, so UCF did play Memphis earlier in the year. It was at Memphis, and they won by one. So that keep the road in mind. You're missing the QB. I don't know. I'm still taking UCF minus three. Next game, Texas at Oklahoma. Texas is number 14. Oklahoma's number five. Right on the outside looking in, and if they were to win this game, they're potentially in the playoff. Seven-and-a-half-point favorites are the Sooners. Who do you like in this one, Robbie? I like this one's tough. I, I like Oklahoma, obviously, because I think they're the better team. And you know what? I'm just Kyler Murray is just he's that good. I want to see him in the playoff. And if if Oklahoma wins, they're in the playoff. And I, I want to see him in the playoff because I think it'll be the most fun out of anybody that we can. He's just that talented and it'll be make for a thing. So I'm going to root. I'm going to go rooting interest here for Oklahoma to to beat Texas. I don't know if that's going to help or not. Yeah, I'm I'm really torn up about this one. If there wasn't a hook, I'd probably take Oklahoma, but I'm going to take Texas. But I think there's potential that Oklahoma could kind of crush in this game. Uh, And, yeah, if they win and Georgia loses, then, yes, they're in the playoff. If they win and Georgia beats Alabama, then it gets a little bit more dicey. They're not beating Alabama. Well, well that's the, we're going to get there. Next game, <laughs> Alabama against Georgia for the SEC title. Alabama 13-point favorites. I'm going to take Bama. <laughs> well, that's a good choice. <laughs> there's, there's uh, uh, yeah, but both of us are. That's an easy. Okay. Yeah. I haven't they won every game by 20 points this year? Something like that. Listen, and... I'm not trying to I'm not trying to make fun of like Georgia. They have been a fantastic team, but Alabama is ridiculous at this point. Yeah, it's it's disturbing. And now the only way that this could go a different direction is like Tua gets injured. Like an injury needs to happen for to go a different direction in my mind for the, and and that could happen. And I don't want that to happen. I'm just saying that's the only way that like all of a sudden you could be like, Oh shit, I lost money on this game. But yeah, Alabama should win in cover. I would think next game Clemson against Pitt for the ACC title. No one cares. Uh, Well, you know, Pitt's going to win, right? (laughs) The line's 26 and a half. Dude, this is like the classic pit. Not that they're going to win, but it'll be like a seven-point game. I'm I'm taking pit. It's too many yeah, points. Yeah, I mean, to, we're both taking pit, right? I mean, do yeah. we have to? But pit's going to keep this to like 14 or something stupid, I feel like, just because. Do you of, like how pit went out and just kicked our teeth in and then goes to Miami? And shit their bed? And, oh, my God, dude. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? Like, All right. goddamn pit. <laughs> anyway. All right, so we're going both going pit to cover. We're both going pit. We Last know game. Clemson's going to win that, right? Yeah, Clemson's going to win. Last game, Northwestern and Ohio State for the Big Ten title. Yes, Northwestern won the division. Wisconsin was a huge dud, wasn't able to get there despite their lofty preseason ranking. Northwestern 21, Ohio State number six, and probably on the outside looking in unless Oklahoma and Georgia lose. 14 and a half point favorites are the Buckeyes. I'm taking Northwestern. The Buckeye oh, defense 14 and a half. is bad. They That team as a whole played out of their minds against Michigan, and, and they deserve praise for, for beating them like that. But I just think that Northwestern will be able to hang around enough to cover that 14 and a half. I'm struggling. I... Because I went the opposite. I picked Michigan in the last our last picks, so I got egg on my face on that one when they got demolished. Um, and I'm trying to think of what like. I think I agree with you. I think I'm going to go Northwestern, but it's a tough pick because it's a tough pick. But you get 14 in the hook, which is nice. Yeah, you get the. But hook. you wonder but if it wasn't for the hook, then I probably wouldn't. But you wonder about. Like, is Ohio State going to be in FU mode like they were when Cardell Jones took over? And they're like, we're making the playoff. 
we're going to win 60 to 10, you know? I don't know. They have the, one of the most talented rosters in all of college football. Like, they should clearly decimate Northwestern. But that team has struggled like crazy this year. Maybe the Michigan game woke them up and they're going to do it again. But I, I have to take Northwestern against the 14 and a half. And what's Northwestern? Like, I, I'm not sure what they're playing for. What is a Northwestern? Yeah. What are they playing for? <laughs> They didn't expect uh, playing to, for the title, man. They're playing for the big, but Ten they title. didn't expect to be here. So they already have the win kind of situation. I don't know. I don't know. You have to talk to some people from Evanston. I think they want to win pretty bad. And, and I think they could. That's the thing is like Maryland was one point away or whatever from beating Ohio state, you know, like Maryland stinks. <laughs> like it's Northwestern could absolutely win. Or, Northwestern. Or they could lose by 40. I don't know. <laughs> Northwestern. All right. That's it for picks. I really want to go to a bowl game. We've put ourselves out on the line at this point. Losing to Marshall after the UVA win would be embarrassing. It'd be deflating. It wouldn't go into the offseason with a good taste in our mouths. This is something you kind of emphasized the last couple of weeks, uh, especially last week, just about having an add-on game. But you can't not take the opportunity to do it. So I, I appreciate Wit getting us the game. He he had to go through hell and back, it sounds like, to get this game on the schedule. And he even said, like, it's really not about the money because a lot of times when we go to these lower-tier bowl games, like, we don't make money. Like, we kind of almost just, like, break even. It's about the extra practices. It's about the streak. It's about the having it to to brag about to people like the bowl streak. We every year we say the same thing about it. And now we'd have factually the longest one running because Florida state's not going. So it, it, it would be really important to go to the bowl. And I, I really want to go at the same time. If we don't, we're going to be okay. This season had so many things go wrong and <laughs> Quite frankly, to beat UVA like was almost enough for me, but I still really want to go to the bowl. Obviously, do you have any final thoughts before we sign off? No. Okay. No, I'm. 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 You seem optimistic about the game against Marshall, despite kind of like being very nervous about it weeks prior. I've been. I've, I've been. I'm nervous about the perception if we do lose. I'm confident in the team getting their shit together and winning. That makes sense. Like yeah, if we got, if, yeah, if they don't feelings. if they don't if they don't perform, the narrative is gonna be horrible. Like there's already like national columnists like talking about I got I got stopped by a UNC fan that works for me today and he said, You know what's gonna happen? You guys just beat UVA, you're gonna lose to Marshall and I'm gonna <laughs> laugh. And that happened today. And, and did it, you sock him one? No. And, <laughs> or did you just tell him you just hired Mac Brown? Good luck with that. Yeah, and he he said, "Well, we're looking for stability in our program. What are you guys I'll looking for?" And you're like, and that that wasn't the point. But the point is, like, <laughs> the, the point is that it will not go well. Like, I I always yeah. am trying to think two like kind of levels, two games ahead, and. um Losing this, it's going to be a long off season. I don't think we're going to lose. I I bet on not you know on Virginia Tech to win, but if we did yeah. somehow fluke things happen, it's going to be a long off well, season for everybody. I'm not even sure it'd be a fluke. I I I'd say like going into this game, I, I know what you mean though. Like going into this game, I feel like this is about a fifty fifty coin flip. Like I don't know what we're going to see. Are we going to see the Virginia Tech we saw for four weeks? Are we going to see the fight we saw against BC? Are we going to see the fight we saw against UVA? You know, like, and are we going to see it for the whole game? Because if we do, we're way more talented. We're young. We're way more talented than Marshall. Put some plays together. Build on what you did last week. Hopefully, I, I said maybe the Michigan game woke Ohio State up. Maybe the UVA game woke us up. And, and we'll actually, you know, impose our will, like flex our muscles a bit against another team from ODU's conference, a much better team than ODU from their conference that we still should beat. Yeah. 
I really want to get those extra practices for the young guys. And I just, I want Hokie Nation to be happy going into signing day and the momentum, like the perception, like you, you said, like it's, that's more important than the actual streak. It's just not losing to Marshall in a game that you need. Like that's, that's the perception part that I don't want to be broken. I, I, I don't want the Twitter meltdowns from people. I don't want the Twitter meltdown from myself. So I really want that win. You guys can contact us. It's at 2DVT on Twitter, at 2DVT on Instagram. Make sure to give us a follow there. 2DVT.com is the website. And then 2DVT at gmail.com is where you can send us any questions, comments, or concerns you have. Make sure to rate and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That helps us out. We've gotten a lot of ratings. We even got one uh, just a couple weeks ago and some nice things to say. And we very much appreciate it. We will talk to you one more time, at least, after after this weekend. Uh, it's been a long season, Robbie. It's been a long, long, weird season. Um, but one more game at minimum, and I'm excited about it. So until next time, go Hokies. Go Hokies.